أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله تبارك وتعالى وسلم على سيدنا محمد سيدنا وسندنا وحبيبنا وشفيعنا ومولانا صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وصحبه وبعد الحمد لله ما شاء الله الله تعالى has brought us to this Mubarak first night of the last 10 days of Ramadan Allahumma innaka afu and tuhibbul afwa fa'afu anna Oh Allah, you're the one who loves, the one who forgives completely. Uh, you're the one who f- forgives completely and loves uh, the one who forgives completely uh, and loves for us to forgive completely. So forgive us completely. Amin. Uh, to whoever, whoever uh, listens and whoever, uh, inshallah, propagates a good word. Uh, we continue with Mawana Sayyid Abul Hassan Ali al Nadwi's uh, uh, Saviors of the Islamic Spirit. Uh, from his chapter with regards to Imam Ghazali, his life and his work and his fikr, his thought. And tonight we come to uh, his critique of the self, of the nafs. Mulana begins, he says, The most effective part of the Ihya is where Ghazali expounds on the significance of purifying one's own soul and reforming the morals for achieving blessedness. His exposition covers the fleeting nature of the terrestrial world, eternity of the world to come, Significance of the faith and righteous action, cleansing of the spirit and eradication of the vices of the heart, which he deems to be the inner basis of all grossness in human conduct. The graphic description of the vices and virtues by Ghazali and his exhortation for adoption of the course leading to salvation bear the mark of an eloquent speaker, a prudent mentor, and a philosopher with an incisiveness of intellect and a penetrating insight into the inner recesses of the human soul, mind, and spirit. He is fully aware of the different types of human weakness and delineates each of these, sets forth their causes and traces their origin, and thereafter proceeds to suggest measures for subjugation of the earthly appetites and impulses out of which these vices are born. The treatment of the ethical issues by Ghazali does not produce a mere religious discourse. His essays are inspiring, employing a rich and expressive language which has since cast its spell over hundreds of thousands of people, if not millions, by the way, reform and reform their lives. Uh, the fourth section of the book deals explicitly with the critique of the self and uh, a method of self-examination. He tells us how one should make an assessment of one's own vices and inclinations toward it. Uh, and prepare oneself for the life to come. Under the caption of self-criticism, Ghazali writes, and he quotes a, a, a lengthy excerpt, O self, is it the right course that when a Jew tells you that a certain thing is injurious for your health, you avoid it and prefer to curb your desire, but you completely disregard the commands of the divine revelation and the directives of the prophets, whose truthfulness is established by the miracles it is not surprising that you attach more weight to the opinion of a Jew or of any non-Muslim, although he is liable to form an erroneous opinion. He might be right, he might be wrong on account of his limited knowledge or wisdom. You throw away your garment without the slightest hesitation, even if a child informs you that a scorpion has gotten into your clothes. Is it that the tidings of the prophets, scholars, and awliya, uh, the saints, and the mentors about the life to come, uh, the hell uh, in its blazing fire, its torments, its bitter thorn, its scorpions and reptiles do not deserve even as much credence as the information given by a child. 
Or is it that the reptiles of the hellfire shall cause you less pain than the sting of an earthly scorpion, which gives you trouble for a day or even a shorter period? This is certainly not the way dictated by prudence. If the beasts were to know of your foolishness, they would laugh at you. O nafs, you know uh, what is to happen after death and uh, hast also a faith in the life to come, but you still do not want to act rightly and dearest to and desire to ignore the hereafter death is marking time to come upon you and impound your soul without any warning even if a hundred years were given one shall never reach the destination if one discontinues the journey to bask in the sunshine and what do you think of a man who goes abroad for acquiring knowledge but continues to postpone his studies in the hope that he will learn everything within the last few months of returning home you would undoubtedly laugh at this man since he hopes to acquire all knowledge and wisdom in such a short time, as also uh, uh, you would laugh upon a man who cherishes the desire to be appointed as a faqih without, without studying fiqh, a person who cherishes, cherishes, cherishes the desire to be appointed as a jurist without studying the law. If you had presumed that the endeavors made during the old age are more fruitful, then how do you think that this is not the last day of your life? He says, if you uh, had presumed that the endeavors made during old age are more fruitful, then how, do you, how is it that you're even able to think that today is not the last day of your life? Why do you not then even address yourself to the task just now? Has God told you that he would allow you some more time to make preparations for your salvation? If uh, not, then what is it that is preventing you from making haste and prompting you to postpone your decision indefinitely? There is no other reason save that you are finding it difficult to subjugate your impulses and earthly desires, uh, for that would involve effort on your part. Do you then wait for that day uh, when it would be made easier for you to conquer your desires? Verily, such a day will never come since God had not created it at all. That's like hard news. He says, very least, he says, are you then going to wait for such a day when it would be made easier for every man to conquer his desires? Verily, such a day shall never come since God had not created it at all. The paradise being surrounded by things unpleasant and unwelcome shall never be agreeable to the indolent self, which always wants to postpone the day's work to the next day. And by the way, this is the paradise being surrounded by things unpleasant. This is a reference to a Sahih Hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. That the uh, hellfire is surrounded and the hijab of the hellfire, the, the, the guise and the clothing of the hellfire is everything that a person desires. And the, the clothing and the garb of the paradise, the surrounding things of the paradise are everything that the nafs dislikes. Hard work, waking up early in the morning, giving up the things that you want, etc. Do you know how many tomorrows have been turned into yesterdays? Would it not be even harder to accomplish tomorrow that which cannot be done today? Take the instance of the passion uh, for sexual intercourse. If it is not curbed today, it cannot be rooted out tomorrow or else it is like a tree which a man wants to uproot but being unsuccessful in his attempts postpones the task for the future. This man knows that with the passage of time, the tree will take root more and more firmly while he will become older and grow weaker. Obviously, this man will not be able to accomplish in his old age that which he was unable to do in the prime of his youth. To put a bridle on the passions is really as difficult and troublesome as to train a wolf. A wolf is a wild animal, so it's untrainable.
uh, or very difficult to train at any rate. Oh, nafs, you appear not to know that these facts of common experience uh, are true, but claim to be wise and prudent. Verily, there appears to be none more foolish than you. Your passions might plead. Do not allow you to be steadfast in virtue while uh, the troubles and afflictions make you abandon the path of patience. If this is correct, why do you not seek the pleasure that is everlasting, pure and sublime, and which can be had in the celestial abode of bliss alone? If you are a slave of your desires and mad after pleasure, it is even more desirable for you to curb your fleeting predilections. For sometimes one morsel taken by a man prevents him from taking his food for days altogether. Suppose a patient has been directed by his physician not to take, a, not to take cold water for three days uh, so that he uh, might recover from his illness. Now tell me, what does your intellect dictate? Should this man abstain from uh, cold drink for three days and regain his health? Or should he disregard the result and satisfy his craving for cold water? Do you not know that the pitifully short duration of life vouchsafed to you in this transient world is relatively even more short-lived when compared to the eternal life of the hereafter than the three days uh, of the patient uh, as compared to the rest of his life? Meaning what? Your patience of three days when compared to the rest of your life is actually longer. It's actually harder than the uh, patience of your lifetime, your limited lifetime in this world when compared to the eternity of the hereafter. Which is a very astute, a very astute uh, observation. I find that you are unable to restrain yourself for two reasons. The first is a sort of concealed infidelity, a concealed kufr, while the other is nothing but stupidity. Your concealed infidelity comprise, comprises of a lack of conviction about the day of judgment, uh, the recompense of your deeds, and in the world to come. Your stupidity, on the other hand, makes you oblivious to the designs of Allah Ta'ala and asks you to depend on His mercy, disregardful of the fact that the benefits conferred on the obstinate sinners are really snares to trap them. Still, you would not trust His beneficence for a piece of bread or a handful of grain, nor follow even the express commands enjoyed by Him. The Prophet, uh, Prophet ﷺ has said, Prudent is he who resorts to self-criticism uh, and endeavors to prepare for the life after death, uh, 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 while the stupid one is the one who allows his self to take the ways of the flesh and still remain hopeful for the divine favor. This is a very well-known hadith. Prudent is he who resorts to self-criticism and endeavors to prepare for the life after death, while stupid is he uh, who allows his self to take after the ways of flesh, yet still remains hopeful for the divine favor. Alas, you should have been aware of the snare of your passions and should not have allowed yourself to be duped by shaitan. You have been asked to care for yourself uh, and to be charitable to yourself. You should not waste the travel of this life, the journey of this life in this transient world. If you lose a moment of this life, you will lose a substantial portion of your fortune in the hereafter, which can never be regained. Therefore, take advantage of your health before you fall ill. Take advantage of the uh, recess before you are preoccupied. Take advantage of your riches before you, uh, before you become indigent. Take advantage of youthful zest before old age saps your strength. Uh, and uh, uh, take advantage of your life before death overtakes you in order to make prepara prep preparations for the hereafter. Your endeavor should be commensurate with the uh, uh, everlasting life to come. Do you not, O nafs, make preparations for the winter season? Do you not 
collect necessary provisions for it or remain unmindful of the vain hope of tomorrow getting through the winter somehow uh, <laughs> or in our context do you not buy like you know uh, half a ton of toilet paper because of coronavirus or do you think that the intense cold of the hellfire would be less painful than the wintry cold of this world do you uh, hope to attain salvation without making any uh, effort for it uh, you ought to know that you cannot save yourself from the blazing fire of hell without the protection of faith and submission to the commandments of Allah exactly in the same way that you require warm clothing and heat for protection against the wintry cold. It is simply a blessing and mercy from your Lord that he has informed you of how to save yourself from the torments of the hellfire and provided you with the means for it. It is a divine dispensation that if he creates winter, he also provides heat for you and lets you know how to produce it from flint uh, so that you may be able to protect yourself from the cold. The Lord uh, uh, needs your prayers and supplications as much as he stands in need of your producing fire or weaving uh, woolen cloth. Meaning like what, what, what harm is it to, to him if you're cold in the winter? And the same way, you know, like he, he doesn't need your prayers. He doesn't need our prayers. You need your prayers. We need our prayers. Uh, just like we're the ones who need the, uh, our sweaters in the winter and need the fires and the heaters in the winter. The Lord needs your prayers and supplications as much as he stands in need of your producing fire or weaving wool and cloth. It is really you who need these rather than Allah, uh, the Almighty. For you have to submit to the will of Allah for your own salvation. The decision of Allah is manifest. He says, who does right, it is for his own soul. And whoever does wrong, it is against it. And afterward unto your Lord will you be brought back. Woe be to you, O my nafs. Come out of the shroud of your own ignorance and know that your recompense shall be exactly that which you earn in this world for God Almighty has already ordained. Your creation and your raising from the dead are only uh, uh, as a single soul, meaning it's uh, all of it will happen at once and all of it is easy for Allah Ta'ala with one uh, uh, as it is for the other. It says, your creation and your raising from the dead are only as the creation raising uh, creation and raising of a single soul. Lo, Allah is the all-hearing and all-knowing. As we began the first creation, shall we repeat it? He has brought you uh, into being and, and so uh, return you unto him. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, uh, you know, Allah ta'ala give us the tawfiq of taking uh, this righteous exhortation uh, this is like some heavy words from Ghazali and uh, oftentimes, you know, I think there's no need to pile on too much, uh, especially given how heavy and intense uh, that was. If it wasn't heavier or intense, maybe you weren't listening properly, you can listen to it again. But I don't I don't see a need to prolong this majlis uh, more than this, inshallah. If somebody has an extra couple of minutes in this Mubarak night, maybe um, this would be a good thing to make dua for, for realization and for tawfiq that we uh, somehow, uh, you know, implement uh, this advice that we all know is true uh, and yet we struggle so pitifully uh, uh, through implementing uh, so that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala should enter into each one of our hearts um, that uh, steel and titanium resolve that we're going to do this thing uh, come what may and uh, that uh, then all we can do when uh, you know faced with the gargantuan nature of the task is just say ya Allah 
uh, this is something that if you want it to happen, it's not difficult for you. So we depend on him uh, in order to uh, vouchsafe it for us. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us against our own uh, our own uh, base desires and help us against our own nufus and uh, uh, give us that we should obey his commands and make preparation for the journey in front of us uh, before our time runs out and may he forgive us for our shortcomings uh, in, 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 in even trying to travel that path much less our shortcomings in traveling the path. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, give us so much tawfiq wa sallallahu ta'ala ala rasulihi sayyidina muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in wa salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhum